Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. While we get this taken care of, I'll tell you a vacation story. Um, Jeremy talked about we spent some time in the mountains, had a great time in the mountains. Um, I learned on pretty much day one of hiking. All right, how about that? There we go. I learned on day one of hiking that um, after breaking my foot two years ago, my feet and ankles don't love the mountains like they used to. So I had one real good hike in me, and we went day one, and we were with our friend from Washington who's a pastor. And he, like, just about runs the mountains, I feel like. And I felt like this since the very first time we hiked with him. So we got into this hike, and I very quickly realized I did not have the endurance that I had five years ago the last time we were there. And so I was like, Jeremy, let the boys go ahead with him, and we'll follow up. We'll you know, bring up the rear. So the boys literally took off up the side of the mountain, made it to the destination that we were going to, and ended up going further to another lake that was like back in the mountains even further. Meanwhile, I'm like heave-hoeing up the side of this mountain. So Jeremy and I get to this one spot, and I look up at the top, like the peak, and I see this like reflection off of something metal, and I'm like, what is metal in the mountains up there? And I was like, wow, that's really high up there too. Okay, I didn't realize that we were going beyond what I was seeing in this hike. So thank God I did not realize that because I'd have been like, you just, I'll just sit right here. You go on up and enjoy the view. But um, so we get to the top of this hike and there's this beautiful lake. It's called Gem Lake. And we're sitting there and it's just serene. The sun is shining. And then all of a sudden the wind picks up a little bit. But the wind doesn't just pick up. I turn around and I look back at the mountain, like the out over the valley that we had just climbed up, and I can see the snow moving across the valley. And I'm like, oh no. So I get my winter coat out and I get my gloves out and I'm like trying to get all this stuff on. And the wind starts to blow. And it is blowing, it's like deafening loud. Everyone up there takes off back down the side of the hill. I'm like, I'm not walking down the side of this hill right now. I'm going to blow off the side of the hill if I try and go down. So I hunker down under the rocks. Jeremy's like bravely walking around over to the side. I told him, I'm like, I I think I might have had a panic attack sitting there on the side of the mountain. Like, I'm going to blow off. And I'm meanwhile picturing the fact that my boys have gone on to the next lake with our friend. And I'm like, Lord, please don't let them blow off the side of the mountain right now. Like, just ridiculous. It was so nuts. But anyway... So I sit there, and we're finally like, we just have to go down. We've got to get below the tree line so that the wind will calm down. So we, all right, let's go. So it calms down a little bit. We take off back down the side of the mountain. It's always easier going down the mountain than going up because you can, you know, I mean, I I plow down the mountain when it's time to go. Like, all right, let's go. Um, So stopping along the way and then just enjoying the view. But it was such, it was so beautiful, even with the crazy wind. And we had snow more than we've ever had out there. Um, but I told the boys as we were going, I said, I know you guys have seen the Rocky Mountains before, or seen the Smoky Mountains before, but there's something just magnificent about the Rocky Mountains and the snow-capped tops and all of that, just the beauty of nature. 
and uh, we enjoyed it so much. Um, it was so good to be away. It was great to road trip with our boys. We drove through 12 states in a week and a half and uh, just had a good time making memories, laughed our heads off at some things, ate some great food, got to hug on the necks of some dear friends and family members, and so um, thank you for letting us get away and, and enjoy that time together. But this morning, I have a question for you. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to answer the question, what kind of learner are you? Are you visual? Are you audio? Are you hands-on? Are you repetition? Are you uh, see it once and know it all, all right? So go, turn to your neighbor and discuss what kind of a learner are you? Can't believe we've come this far and it feels just like getting started. Somehow we're still running like those kids back then, kids back then. Scrape some knees and falling down, but somehow we keep getting back up. Long as there is wonder, gonna keep running, yeah, we'll keep running. In this moment, it's electric. Can you see it? Can you feel it? The stream inside is still alive today. Yeah, we're on our way. All right. Sarah talked with us uh, last Sunday in her message. She talked about how we are all different and that we all come together. And I'm guessing you just learned probably some of you might have turned to a neighbor and you learned the same. But many of us in this room have different methods of learning. And that's the cool thing about us. That's why we come together so well is that we bring what we have to the table in the way that we learn um, that's different. I am a visual learner. I would rather you show me how to do something than just tell me the words and description to it. I'm not, I'm not gonna get it. Like, get in an, any lecture that a professor did and they had video or notes or anything, that was much better for me than them just sitting there talking to me. Cause I'm like, rah, 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 rah. like I, it just is in one ear out the other. And so I'll be honest, sometimes even preachers who don't have videos or things don't engage with my brain and because that's just the kind of learner I am. I'm a visual learner. And I'm a weird visual learner. Like when I learn things, sometimes they stick. Weird things stick with me, right? Like Sari's birthday, Sari's my um, elementary school best friend. Sari's birthday is December 6th. Bram is November 10th. Christine is January 16th. Jen is October 6th. Um, Casey is January 1st. I have a list of elementary school friends' birthdays that are forever stuck in my brain. My friend Michelle's um, childhood phone number was 9689689. Mine was 6543697. I have all of these random, like 6541982. I mean, I have all of these weird numbers that are just stuck in my head. That's just the kind of learner that I have been. Um, and then the older I get, sometimes I like go through all three kids' names to get to the right child. So um, 
Anybody else guilty of that? Like, it's the worst. I've, even the dog occasionally is so bad. So, yeah, um, I don't know what happens. But some of those things are just embedded. And one of the things that's really cool, though, is that Scripture is the same way for me. I've, I think I've shared this before. I grew up in a children's ministry program where we memorized Scripture every week. And every week we came back in. And if we memorized it, we got um, a little gem for a treasure chest thing. And I was all about the prizes, y'all. Like, if there was a goal, I was going to fill that chest. And so I was memorizing as many verses as I could because I wanted my treasure chest full of gems, right? You know, I know it's, things motivate us, right? And thankfully, those scriptures stayed, and they actually really mean something to me now than, instead of just getting my gem in my plastic little chest. But um, memorizing scripture as a child, now it comes back to me as an adult, um, I will, something will happen and a verse will come to mind that I memorized as a kid. Uh, I'll hear it in a sermon and I'll be able to quote it with the pastor because of memorization that happened. Repetition, that was the thing though. In order to learn those scriptures, I was repeating them. I was walking around the house for the whole week ahead of time saying it over and over and over again. Because if I do that, um, I will learn it. I took Greek a couple years ago online. I don't recommend it. Um, I took Greek, and I had no clue how to say anything because my professor was online. So I had to, like, find, I had this special little spot where I would go and listen to the person say it the right way. So I would, and this is, okay, winter in Michigan is cold, if you don't know that. Um, and you really don't want to go outside some of the winter. Like, there was one a couple winters ago when I was in school, it was like 59 degrees below zero wind chill. Um, our friend Casey's here from Michigan. She can totally say that's totally true. Um, it was ridiculous for, like, weeks of cold. And so I'm stuck inside in the house and I'm having to learn Greek. So we have this loop. We had our living room and then a hallway and I wanted to get my steps in. <sighs> so this is me with Greek. Um, alpha, beta, like going through the whole Greek alphabet, walking circles in my house. I think I wore the carpet out before we moved out of that house, trying to memorize Greek in repetition and get my steps in. But repetition, helped me to learn it, and I passed the class with an A. I have no idea how, and don't ask me to say most of it now. Um, but repetition helps. And so that was, that's been the case for me. Uh, the word of God, right? It's, it's that thing that sticks in our hearts when we learn it, when we memorize it, when we repeat it over and over and over again. And the devil has a hard time getting in where the word of God resides. And today's message, what we're going to talk about, the passage of scripture we're going to talk about, you've heard it before. Some of you could probably say it with me. And some of you are going to go, why are we, why are we doing that? Um, and that's, that's been my question. You know, I've, I've questioned that before, like, wow, we've, we've heard this one before. But here's the thing. We hear these, um, and, and we might even be able to quote them, but that doesn't mean that we've learned all there is to learn from it. Um, I was, had, on Friday, I got to go for a walk. The cross-country team was out for their practice, and I sent a message to the parents and said, hey, I'll be there for practice Friday morning if anyone wants to walk with me. Got to walk with a really sweet mom of one of the new runners on the team um, and just hear a little bit about her story, share our story with her, but talked to her about um, she leads children's ministry at the church that they attend here in town. And she was sharing with me that um, not too long ago, a parent had come to her and complained and said, um, I just don't know that, we, that we're going to stick around here. Do you think my kids could maybe move up to the teen group? And she was like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, we just keep telling them the same stories over and over again. 
And she's like, we have a rotation of stories because we firmly believe it's important for your kid to know the stories in scripture. And we do repeat it because we want them to remember it. And so she was explaining this to them and she said, well, couldn't they move to the teen group? And she said, well, what is it that they're covering in the teen group that you want them to move up there? Well, real life stuff. Okay, what, what is it from scripture that they're memorizing? Well, they're not. They're just talking about things in real life. Aw, uh, okay. So this mom has a daughter in the teen group. So she said to her daughter, hey, what are you guys learning in teen group? And she's like, uh, nothing. We just kind of talk every week. Okay, okay. So there's a reason that we learn things. There's a, there's a reason for repetition, for going over things and to be reminded of things. And that's, that's true of today's passage as well. Um, it's good to be reminded of why we do what we do. Otherwise, we risk it becoming routine. Um, when we come in here every week and we do the same thing over and over, you know, we kind of mess things up a little bit today. Worship's at the end. If you didn't gather, the worship team went and sat down right away. There's a reason why we're doing it today. We're switching things up. We don't want things to just become routine. When things become routine, they can dry. When um, things become dry, they become dehydrated, right? When things become dehydrated, they crack. When things crack, they break. And when things break, things can really fall apart, right? That can happen of us, too, when we become dried out. Um, can you imagine what would happen if I went into the hospital and I had to get an IV and the doctor came to me with the, bi the bag of fluid and said, hey, we're going to hook this IV up to you. And I looked at him and I said, no, I've had that before. I don't need that. Right? They're going to look at me like, you are nuts, first of all. Right? Nurse, Brandy, would, would you look at someone and be like, um, you probably want to say that's really stupid. Just stop. Right? So um, th that would be crazy for me to, to say that. But sometimes we do that with the word of God. Well, I've, I've had that before. I've read that before. And God's like, oh, but I have something new for you in this. Read this verse again. I want to teach you something new from it. Um, and sometimes it's the delivery system. But my challenge to you is this. Ask the Lord to reveal something to, new to you every time that you open the word of God. Ask him to reveal something new to you in every sermon you sit through, even if you don't like the preacher. Ask the Lord to reveal something new to you every time you sit through a worship service, even if you don't like the worship leader or the song. Ask the Lord to reveal something new to you every time someone comes on the radio or a podcast or in a book. God will teach you. He'll teach you again and again and again, and you'll learn something from it. So ask him to do that through you. Um, I don't know about you, but there are passages of scripture that speak to me every time I read them. I, I have certain verses that I've read that verse over and over and over again, and I'll read it, and it's like something comes to me in a new light, and I'm like, oh. Sometimes it's just the circumstance I'm in that changes the way I read that scripture, right? Like I'm in the midst of a, of a struggle, and I've read this passage about when you struggle before, but now that I'm in the midst of the struggle, man, that comes to life for me in a new way. That's what the word of God does. It says the word of God is alive. And, and, and the word of God feeds us and it gives us life. Um, God gives us the body of Christ as nourishment. It's like that IV. Um, it's our life to nourish us and to hydrate us and to make us stronger and healthier. But if we neglect it, we dry out. Um, communion is something that we partake of once a month around here. Sometimes more. But at least once a month. 
And that can easily become that thing that becomes routine. Oh, we just do this the first Sunday of the month, which this is the second Sunday we were gone last week. That's why we're off on schedule. Um, but, and we say the same things. And sometimes, you know, we, we have to be reminded over and over of why do we do this, right? Why is it that we gather at this table? So this morning, our passage is from 1 Corinthians 11, and I'm, I'm expanding it a little beyond the actual passage, but it's 11 verses 17 through 34. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Ouch. First, I hear that there are divisions among you, and when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you, can, you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry, hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you remember your own home? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? For I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant of God between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating and drinking, eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves. When you meet together, I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. This is the word of God, and we say together, thank you, Jesus. So we have this passage of scripture, right? He, Paul comes in, and he, he starts it out pretty harsh. He's like, man, you all are fighting with each other. You're disagreeing with each other, and I'm not going to commend you for that. He, he's, he calls out the division and the harm among the body of believers that he's talking to there in Corinth. And when he talks about the beginning of the passage, he's talking about you come hungry and you leave people that still want to eat. When the, when the church in Corinth would gather, oftentimes it wasn't just a gathering for the Lord's Supper. It was a gathering for a meal and the Lord's Supper, right? And so some of them would come and just like pig out at that meal, and they wouldn't leave food for anybody else. Okay. Um, when, and it's written at a time when people, you know, they gathered for this common meal, and then they would receive the communion together. Paul writes, he gives... Um, the communion ritual, but it's something that he says after it that stood out to me as I was preparing for this. 
He says, um, examine yourselves before receiving communion. And as I got to thinking about that, I thought, how often do we do that on Sunday morning when we come in here and we gather together for worship? How often do we examine the condition of our heart before we come up here and receive that bread? Because he says, if you don't, and you receive that bread unworthily, then you're screwing it up. And I was like, ooh, I need to like question my own heart in that. How often do I just go through the routine of doing it because it's what's expected of us when we receive communion around here? And then he says, allow God to discipline you. None of us likes discipline very much. But Paul says it's important. And it's an important part of the communion ritual when we do it. So as I, as I began um, working through this, I actually called Colin yesterday. I said, hey, can we switch some things around for service tomorrow? I want to preach at the beginning, and I want to have some worship at the end, because I want a chance for you to respond today before we receive communion together. I want a chance for you to do some examining of your own heart. And so in communion, we participate in Christ's death. Uh, we ask the question, right? So we, we are participating in his death. So what we're asking in communion is, God, what needs to die in me today to participate with you in this? You died for me, so what needs to die in me? We may be carrying something around. We may be harboring feelings. We may be dealing with something, and maybe it needs to die in us this morning. So God, what is it that needs to die in me today? When we participate in communion, we experience the presence of Christ. Um, we have to slow down to receive it, though, right? Um, I, as I was, I read that this week, too, about needing to slow down to receive uh, his presence. And I did a little research, and did you know that communion, or Sabbath, is mentioned in the Bible 172 times? There are we are called the Sabbath, a Sabbath day, one day a week, 52 Sundays a year, or whatever your Sabbath day is. 52 days a year, you're called to Sabbath. 172 times it's mentioned in the Bible, more than three times what you need, right? I've come to understand this. I think sometimes things are mentioned in the Bible as often as they are, because we need to be reminded that many times. Um, so, like, worry is mentioned, I've said this before, 365 times. Really? How many times do you think we need to be reminded not to worry? Daily. Maybe more than that, but at least once a day. So here's Sabbath. We've got to slow down. We've got to take intentional time to receive and to experience the presence of God. And so we've got to set time aside in our lives to experience the presence of God, too. The presence of the Holy Spirit is here when we receive communion. And there are where two or more are gathered, right? That verse says, where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. We receive God's grace in communion. It is God's unmerited favor and undeserved gift of love and forgiveness to us. We don't deserve what he gave us. We screw it up all the time. But he still loves us. He still loves you no matter how many times you mess it up. When we turn back to him, when we examine our heart, when we say, God, what in me needs to die? He says, okay, come on, come to me. Brendan Manning tells a story of Fiorella Lagardia, 
who, when he was the mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression, was called by adoring New, York, New Yorkers the little flower because he was only 5'4", my height, and always wore a carnation on his lapel. He was a colorful character who used to ride the New York City fire trucks, raid speakeasies with the police department, take entire orphanages to baseball games, and whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, he would go on the radio and read the Sunday funnies to the kids. One bitterly cold night in January of 1935, the mayor turned up at a night court that served the poorest ward of the city. LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her and her daughter was sick and two of her grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. It's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor, the man told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions, $10 or 10 days in jail. And then he reached into his pocket and he paid the $10 fine. Then he turned to the crowd in the court and he said, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that their grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. $47.50 was turned over to the bewildered old lady who sat, who had stolen a loaf of bread off the shelf to feed her starving grandchildren. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.